one of those psalms where it's very helpful because we know the context. We know why this was written. And this was written at a time in David's life when he was very afraid. And you can see that at the top, we have the context. This is a time where David is running from Saul. He's running. Why is he running? Because he is afraid. And we know he's afraid. Because the context that we're given at the top of this psalm is referring to an event that happened in 1 Samuel chapter 21. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 21. Verse 10 to 14. It says, then David arose, New King James Version, then David arose and fled uh, from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, <coughs> sorry, I've got a cold already. I've been back for a day and I've got a cold. Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid. Right? David is afraid. He was afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended madness in their hands. He scratched on the doors of the gate and let his saliva fall down his beard. Then Akish said to his servants, Look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? So David is running from Saul. And he's running from Saul and he's ended up in the place of where Goliath was born, which is not a good place because he's killed Goliath. So these people don't like David. And he realizes that they want to take his life. So he's on the run because he's afraid. He meets these people that want to take his life. And we read there that David was very much afraid. Now, David is a man who became famous because of his faith, right? As a young man, David was that guy who, when everybody else was afraid, David was not afraid. He looked at Goliath and everybody petrified, didn't want to take him on. And David said, no, I will go for Goliath. And he ran towards Goliath, just full of faith, full of courage. He would look at this young man and just think, wow, he's amazing. He just is so confident in his God. And he shouts over at Goliath, you know, you don't stand, I'm paraphrasing, you don't stand a chance because I'm coming at you with God. You come at me with this armor, but I'm coming at you with the power of God. He was a man full of faith. But now, we get on, on a few years' time, and he's been running from Saul, and he's worn down. And now, I guess, at this moment, if you were to see David, you would think of David as maybe just half the man he used to be. He's there before these people, and he's pretending to be insane. Saliva, he's letting saliva drip down his mouth, and he's, he's, he's just pretending to be an insane person, because that is his best idea right now. That's all that he can think of is to pretend to be mad. He's not a man who you would think of at this moment as having a lot of faith and a lot of trust in God. He's a man who is maybe tired and struggling and worn down and is not maybe the David that 
you see a few years earlier because life has happened to him and he's realized that life is sometimes challenging and he's now feeling very much afraid. And Psalm 56 is born out of this, a time in David's life where David is at the end of himself, where David feels vulnerable and David can no longer see God so much so that he is just using his own resources and he is depending on himself um, and coming up with his best plan, which is not a great plan, pretending to be insane. So David is weak at this time, and David is struggling. So it's a psalm that is born out of that. If you turn back to the psalm as you read it, you get the kind of feel that it's telling you, you know, all it, when I am afraid, I'll not be afraid. I'll trust in God. And at first sight, you have that feel of it being this psalm that's saying, you know, I'm never afraid. Uh, just be confident in God. But actually, it's a very warm psalm that we're reading from David because it's born out of a time in David's life where he is afraid and he does feel weak and he does feel overwhelmed. And yet he's trying to warmly encourage us, encourage us to come to this place of faith. So if you look down in verse 3, David says, Whenever I am afraid, that's not if I am afraid, uh, that's whenever I am afraid. And that's David admitting for us that although at times he showed incredible faith, often David was afraid. This is when I am afraid. David felt fear. And it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be anxious. That is normal. And before, in your mind, you might be thinking, well, Jesus said, don't be anxious. And we're told to not be afraid. Yeah, that's the conclusion that we need to get to. But that's a process, right? It's normal for these reactions to happen to us, for us to fear things in life. And there's a lot to be afraid of. If you turn on the news, there's a lot to be afraid of. We've come from Nepal. When we moved to Nepal, we were deeply afraid of a lot of stuff for our kids. We felt real fear. I remember driving the girls to school one morning and I dropped them off and all these fears overwhelmed me. I was thinking, why am I taking my children to Nepal? Uh, why am I doing this? I must be crazy. Imagining all the things that could go wrong. And I remember breaking down and, and crying in the car and thinking, this is crazy. There is a lot to be afraid of in Nepal. There's a lot to be afraid of in this world. It's normal for us to feel afraid. It's normal for us to feel anxious. But what this psalm is saying is that we're not to remain in that place. We're not to live being ruled by fear. We're not to remain in that place. But it is okay and it is normal to at times feel anxiety and to feel fear. David says, whenever I am afraid, is there anybody in this room who's not being afraid? Is there anybody in this room who doesn't feel anxiety, even feel anxiety on a daily basis? Right? All of us are just human and we feel afraid and we feel vulnerable and we feel anxious. And that is normal, David says, when I am afraid. It is okay to be afraid. It's normal. It's actually a necessary part of life. Right? If you were fearful of certain things, you would get into trouble. In Nepal, there's a lot of dangerous animals. If you're walking through the jungle and you meet a lion or a tiger, then you would feel afraid, right? And you would want to run from that animal. 
Fear isn't normal. Fear is just your body saying something bad could happen and I don't want it to happen. Anxiety is the same. Anxiety is just you fear certain things happening and you don't want that to happen and that makes you anxious and that's just a normal reaction in your body. It's a necessary part of life. So all of us feel fear. All of us feel anxious and that is very normal. But what do we do with it? What do we do with it? What does David say? Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will look to God. Now, I wish it was a little bit more glamorous than that. Right? I wish there was some clever formula here. But David is just very simply saying, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will look to God. And he says it again in verse 8. He says, I will not fear. But remember, what's the context of this psalm? David is very much afraid, right? So David is afraid and he writes this psalm. So it's David speaking to himself, saying, that's not saying I'm, I'm going to just never feel fear. That's David encouraging his own soul, saying, I am afraid, but I will not fear. I've, I'm experiencing fear right now, but I'm not going to stay in this place. I'm going to move beyond fear. What does it say in verse 11? I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. But he is afraid. But he's saying, I'm not going to stay in this place of fear. Now, that's what's important, right? In life, you will experience fear. You will ex experience anxiety. But Jesus said, do not be anxious. Now, that doesn't mean feel guilty when you feel anxious. That means don't live in that anxiety. We know we're not to be afraid. We know we should be confident in God. But there are times in our life where David, in, in this example, is surrounded by enemies and is genuinely afraid for our, his life. There are times in our lives where we're facing things that we're afraid of. Right? You go to the doctor and you get some bad news. You're afraid. That's normal. And that's okay. But what do you do with that? You're at work and you might lose your job. You're afraid. You're fearful. That is normal. Anxiety is very normal. But what do we do with that? Do we let fear paralyze us? Do we let our anxieties just fester and grow and come out of proportion? Uh, because we can lose sight of God when we do that. And I love that's what David says here. David says, whenever I'm afraid, verse 3, I will trust in you. I will look to God. Now, in the example, David is probably speaking now out of his mistakes, right? Because in that situation, he didn't look to God. He very much lost sight of God. And he got to that place where he felt that there was no other option apart from pretending to be insane. And I think that's what fear does to us. Fear makes us irrational, does it not? Fear has this way of messing with our minds and, and implanting in our minds the worst case scenario. And sometimes we can be so afraid of things and so anxious about things in life and there's no rationale to it. And it's really out of proportion. Um, and that's where, where David is. David is experiencing fear. And he's come to this place where God, having done amazing things in his life, 
God having done wonderful things, he can no longer see God. And all he can think about is, my only option right now is to pretend to be insane. And that's what we have to do with fear. We have to bring it back into the context of God and we need to make it rational again. Uh, sometimes our fears are very legitimate, right? Sometimes we're afraid of things for a good reason. Uh, because there are fearful things, but sometimes our fears are completely irrational and we need to deal with them. We need to get them back in the context of God. Verse 11, David says, In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. And I've been uh, trusting God, I guess, is a thing that we hear very often. And it sounds very simple, right? I will put my trust in God. This... Um, Sam, has anybody heard Hide Them In Your Heart? These are little songs that I made for children. And that is, that particular verse is made into one of those songs. And there's a video that goes with the song. And this girl is afraid at night, a little girl. And she's looking out of the window and she sees the shadows coming through into her room. And she's afraid that there's a monster outside. Like most children are, right? It doesn't take you long as a child to, to be fearful and afraid of things. And um, then this song comes on, I'm not going to be afraid. And she picks up a Bible and she gets back in bed. She turns the light on and the shadows go and it's a peaceful scene. And it seems very simple. And we can talk about trusting in God, but I think trusting in God is very difficult um, because fear can be so crippling in our lives. And maybe we don't realize it, but sometimes we can be making all the decisions in life based around fears. And playing life safe and listening to our anxieties and being driven by those things um, and never taking these steps of, of faith but just kind of controlling our life so we avoid these things that we're fearful and we feel as safe as possible. And when someone says to trust in God, it sounds very simple but it's quite difficult in practice. And I wonder why is it difficult? Why is it so difficult to trust in God? Why is it so difficult to face life and be confident in God? Well, I, I suppose one of the reasons is that trust, when we think about what trust is, trust is really giving things over to God and, and putting God in control and saying, God, I don't matter what the outcome is. God, it's, my life is in your hands and I'm very comfortable with things going the way you want them to go and not the way I want them to go. So often we say, God, I will trust in you. But what we mean by that is, I will trust you to do what I want you to do. God, I will trust in you that this will happen. I will trust in you that my life will turn out this way. But what trust means is, trust means that, God, you are in control. And I'm happy with things turning out as you want them to be. We read in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, that very well-known proverb. Trust in the Lord with all your heart seems very simple, but lean not on your own understanding. That says, I will trust in God, and I will trust that God, you know better than me. You know better than me how things should be. You know better than me. And trust is really saying, God, actually, you are in control. I'm not going to trust you so long as this happens. God, I'm going to trust you, whatever is giving control back to God and I think maybe that's why we don't experience the peace because if we do trust God and if we come to this place where we really are confident in God 
um, then I think we can experience peace in life. Why don't we experience peace? Maybe because we really want to still have control of life. And we say we trust God, but we still want things to be the way we want them to be. And to trust is to say, God, it's okay. Um, I, I trust what you want to happen in my life. Now in verse 9, David gives us a few reasons why we can trust in him. Firstly, we read in verse 9 that we can trust in God because God is on our side. Again, that seems like a very easy thing to say. We know in Romans 8, we read there that God is for us, right? And we often sing, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And we're kind of encouraged to, to feel really confident in God. But then, once again, often life doesn't go how we want it to go. And things can seem like they're falling apart. And David, in, in this example, is saying, my enemies will flee from me. But actually, what's the context? David is fleeing from his enemies, David is running from them and he's saying in the psalm, my enemies will flee from me in verse 9, but actually he's running from his enemies. And I think, again, to come to this place where we're looking up and saying, God, you are for me and I will put my trust in you is often to, to rise above just the, um, the, the practicality of what is happening in our lives. Trust is often getting to this place where we're saying, God, I, I was still believe in you and trust you and love you regardless of what happens in my life. And maybe the biggest aspect of trust is letting go of our control of life and what we want to happen and how we think things should be. And saying, God, you are on my side. And God, you are with me. And I will be victorious. David is saying, God is on my side. My enemies will flee from me. But David is running from his enemies. Faith is really rising above it. And he says, God, I will trust in you. And what does he say on a number of occasions? Verse 4, what can flesh do to me? Verse 11, what does he say? What can man do to me? So David says, I'm going to trust in you. What can man do to me? Well, man can do a lot to you, right? Why? That's why David's running. David's running because he's afraid of a man who can take his life, right? He's afraid for his life. What can man do to me? Well, man can do a lot of bad things to us. Man can take our life from us. And David knows that. That's why David it's running. What can man do to me? Well, God can kill. Well, man can kill our body. But Jesus spoke something very similar. If you turn to Matthew chapter 10, Jesus speaks about what man can do to us. Matthew 10, verse 29 to 31. Again, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. What's Jesus saying? Don't be afraid of somebody who can kill your body. Somebody who can take your life. 
Now that seems like madness really, doesn't it, if you just take it in isolation. Don't be afraid of somebody who can take your body. But then what does he say? But cannot kill the soul. So what's Jesus saying to us there? Really, if you want to be in a place of trusting God, if you want to be in a place where you're no longer experiencing fear, then what? You've got to let go of your life. Because if you care about your life and your body, then you will be afraid. He says, do not be afraid of somebody who can kill your body. Well, if you love your life, if you love your body, you will be afraid of that person because you don't want them to take your life. You don't want them to take your body. But then he says, rather fear God. Fear God. Fear first God. Don't think about fears in this life. Don't think about this world. If you think about this world, if you love this world, then you will be afraid. What are you afraid of? If you think about what you're afraid of and you trace back your fears, you will find the things you love most in this life. You'll often find where the idols are in your heart because fears tell us what we love. Why are we afraid? Because we don't want to lose them. We don't want to lose those things because they're precious to us. So if we don't want to fear losing those things, then what do we have to do? We have to trust in God. But what have we been saying? Trust is not just relying on God. Trust is letting go. And if we really want to get to a place where we know trust, then yes, we have to see God. But we also have to let go. Let go of the things that we love too much. Let go of this world. Let go of this life. You really biblically can't have a confident trust in God unless you have a real vision of eternity. I think that sounds really abstract. I used to love talking about speaking about having an eternal mindset and thinking of heaven and letting that shape how we look at this world. But now that seems very abstract to me. But I'm, I'm comfortable saying it because the, the Old Testament speaks about it a lot. The prophets are always speaking about the big picture. And in the New Testament, so often the encouragement is life is hard, but it's only short. <laughs> it's only short. And that seems like a bit of a cop out to me, really. <laughs> that, you know, to say to somebody, life is difficult, but it's only short. And yet so often in the New Testament, we read that, that it's just momentary. And we're told to think about a world to come, to let go of this life. So if we want to be these people who are rock solid, then we have to be these people who are saying, this is not my home. It's not my home here. This life don't go on forever. It's gone. It's like a vapor. It doesn't matter. The things in this life don't matter. What matter one bit. What matters is God and love. And Jesus goes on. And says, do not fear, therefore. Right? If you're already confused by this message, then Jesus says, do not fear, therefore. He says, rather fear God. But then he says, do not fear, therefore, because you are more value than many sparrows. And I think that's the hope. Again, David in this situation is in a place where maybe he's not quite sure where God is. He's running He's afraid. He feels very vulnerable. He feels overwhelmed. He feels like there's no way out. He feels like these people are going to take his life. He's at the end of himself. 
And yet he's almost speaking to his soul in this psalm. Whenever I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. I will not be afraid. We know he's afraid, but he's saying, I'm not going to stay in this place. I'm not going to let fear rule my life. I'm not going to let anxiety rule my life. I'm not going to build my life around these things. Because you won't live a happy life if all your decisions are made around fear and anxiety rather than hope and faith. But he's trying to be encouraged and he's trying to be hopeful. And then we read one reason that David speaks to his soul to try and encourage faith to be present. He tells us about the care that God has for us. He tells us about how intimately God thinks about us. He says in verse 8, you number my wanderings. David is going from cave to cave, running from Saul, fearful. And yet at this moment, this moment of faith, as he looks up to God, he says, God, you, you number my wanderings. You see every step that I take in these dark caves where I'm curled up at the back, afraid and running. You're there with me. You see every step that, I, that I've taken. You're with me every, every step of the way, every moment of my life, everything that I go through. You're there. And God is with you. Even in those times where you've lost sight of him. Even in those times where you are struggling to trust him. God is there. God is numbering your every step. He's with you. And David says, you put my tears into your bottle. David was a man who, who wept. <laughs> David was a man who, who cried and, and struggled and battled. But what's he saying? The infinite, transcendent, holy creator of this world cares enough to catch every tear that David has cried and to notice that. That God would notice those little drops of water that fall down our cheeks every one of us because that's the way God thinks about us God knows us intimately and God cares about us intimately that illustration is said to come from an ancient practice where people would catch their tears uh, when they were bereaved at the loss of somebody they loved and they would catch their tears and give it to the family of the bereaved as a sign of how much they care about them and think about that person. This is a value that person had to me. And in a sense, that is, saying, that is David saying, I am valuable to you. The, the times where I struggle, you care. The times where I'm at the end of myself, you're with me. You're with me in that place. And you care. I'm not on my own. Although I'm running, running from Saul, I'm in these caves. You are with me every step of the way. And he goes on, when I cry out to you, verse 9, then my enemies will turn back. This I know, because God is for me. So David, although in his circumstances, he might not feel that God is for him. He might feel that actually he's on the back foot. And Saul is the one who has all the power. Saul is the one who has the strong army. And he's the one who is running. He reminds himself that he has to look up. I put life in the context of God. And remember that God is for him. And God is for you. God is for you in every circumstance. Can we really believe that? I think we can believe that. 
we can believe that God is for us. We can believe God is for us even when our health is bad. We can believe God is for us even if we're in a country where Christians have been terribly persecuted and everybody is losing their life and, and, and Christians have been killed on the mass. We could still say God is for me, right? If it's true, it's true in every circumstance. God is for me means that we're on the winning side, right? And we will have victory. But when does that victory come? A victory comes at the end of the ages. That's our victory. And in this life, it might feel like we're on the losing side. But we're not. We're on the winning side. But I think we can only really believe that. And we can only really trust in God consistently and see God in everything when we let go of this life. God is for me. How can we believe that? We can believe that if we look to eternity. And we have a big vision. And we believe that God wins in the end. But I don't think faith is possible unless we have a sight of eternity. Unless we're realizing what this life is, how temporal this life is. I don't think we can be free of anxiety unless we really let go of this life. And I think that's why when Jesus speaks about fear and anxiety, he speaks about it in the context of wants, clothing, and those kind of things. Because our anxieties come because we love this world too much. Our anxieties come because we love ourselves too much. Our anxieties come because we want life to be the way it is. But if we want it, we, we want it to be. If we want to really trust in God, then we have to let go. Let go of our control of life. Let go of wanting life to be the way that we want it to be. Let go of our love of the things in this world and to find God in that place. So I think this psalm is a warm encouragement. It's an encouragement because we see here a man who is afraid and it's an encouragement to us who struggle with life and do feel afraid and do feel anxious. But it's a reminder that God doesn't want us to live in that place. You don't have to feel guilty for feeling that way, but God wants you to move past that. And like David, to have a conversation with your soul, to say, soul, don't live in this place. Don't remain in this place of fear and anxiety, but look up and see God. And when you feel unloved, and when you feel on the back foot, and when you feel lonely in life, and when your esteem's at rock bottom, be reminded that God is with you every step of the way. And God cares about you. And God would even number your steps. And God would count every tear that you cry. And that's how God cares about you. And I think it's very easy to say that, but I'm sure a lot of you really will probably struggle with that, to believe that God really loves you that way. But God does. And God loved David that way. And David wasn't a perfect man. David did a lot of bad stuff, like commit adultery, murder somebody, right? Censor the people of Israel, which resulted in thousands of deaths. Right, David did some bad stuff, and yet God loved him. And even after his death, God said, many times in scripture, David was a man after my heart. Christian brothers and sisters, we are men and women of God, and we are after the heart of God. Although we go up and down, although we're not perfect, you're after the heart of God, right? You love him, you know your love is imperfect, but you love him. And God loves you, 
God really does love you and God is with you. God is with you in your private battles. God is with you in those places where nobody else knows about. It's the thing about fears and anxieties. Every one of us in this room has fears and anxieties that people don't know anything about. Insecurities that people know nothing about. Things that make us anxious. And although nobody else knows about them, God knows about them. And God cares about them. And God is with you in that place. God knows who you are. In a way that nobody else does. In a way that nobody in this room does. God knows who you are. And God is with you as you are. And loves you the way that you are. And God is with you. And he understands your pain. And feels your pain. And is with you in that place. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for not the fact that you do love us, God. Lord, that even as a mighty creator, you still care enough to, to be present with us in, in those times where we feel alone. And even to, to watch us to watching and to count our steps and to look close enough to see tears falling and to be close enough to catch them and to love us that much. Lord, we just pray against a spirit of fear. Oh, we don't want a spirit of fear. Oh, I pray for people in this room who and battling with anxieties and fears. Lord, I pray that you would help them in their dialogue with their soul, that they would be able to find that place of trust and hope and to bring themselves to a place where they see you and they see the care that you have for them. Help us to let go of this world, God. Help us to stop making this place our home and to look to the world to come. Help us to really live like that. Thank you for your word, and thank you for your love to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.